Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I went to two semesters of college at Texas Tech University. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Craig. Love him. And y'all gonna let me preach or y'all? Not really. I'm joking. Uh, went to two semesters at Texas Tech University, and, you know, all I ever wanted to do was be a cowboy. I was sitting in chemistry class, I was sitting in a wildlife class, I was sitting in an algebra class, listening to some dude go blah, 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 and I was just sitting there thinking, man, we would be branding about right now, you know, and, uh, Dad was still on the rocker B, and so I'd call him every day. Hey, what'd y'all do today? You know, all of this stuff. So anyway, I had an ex-uncle of mine, used to be married to my aunt, and um, he was the ranch manager of the San Pedro Ranch years before. He was a wildlife biologist in Austin for the uh, Department of Wildlife. And um, he called me. He was in Lubbock. And he said, hey, meet me at the IHOP across from Tech. I said, okay. So I met him over there. He said, I knew I knew somebody in Tech. And, you know, we started talking. He asked me what my plans were. And I said, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. Going to school, but really, I just, I just want a cowboy. And he goes, well, you want to go cowboy on the, rant, uh, on the San Pedro? They're looking for somebody. I was like, yes, just like that. My high school sweetheart also went to Texas Tech University, and I called her after I talked to the ranch owner, and he said, yeah. He said, come on, come down as soon as the semester's over, pack your stuff, bring your, bring your cack, and we'll get, you, we'll get you going. So anyway, I called her, and I said, guess what? She was like, what? I said, I got me a ranch job. She said, where? And I said, south of Carrizo Springs on the border of Mexico. I said, I've been offered a job. And she goes, well, you're not going to take it, are you? I said, why do you say that? She goes, if you leave here, I ain't waiting on you. Oh, oh. And my exact words were, well, that makes the decision real easy. She said, so you're not going to go? And I said, I'll miss you. And I hung up the phone, and I've talked to her one time since then. And that was the girl I was going to marry. Thank goodness God had a different plan for me. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against that other gal, but I love my wife. I told her this morning when she walked in, she looked all cute. Walking in, and I told her, I said, you know what? I'm madly in love with you. Aw. See, I can do it sometimes. I, I can, every once in a while, I can get that, you know, I, I can do good. But anyway, so I, I went down to the San Pedro Ranch. Everything I owned was in, it was in the front seat of a single cab, uh, 1984 Chevy pickup with a 454 in it, it took me $925 to drive from Lubbock to Carrizo Springs. You just coast downhill, punch it going up hills, and try to make it to the next gas station. That's all you did. So anyway, I pull in, and my instructions were, when you get to the San Pedro Ranch, here's how you get there, and you'll know you're there because the San Pedro shares the same entrance as the Faith Cattle Company. Now, the Faith was a long ranch that was kind of right between us and the border, but we shared the same entrance, and there was a guard shack. And they said, "If there, we'll have your name on there. If if the guard is there that day, they just kind of have one every now and then, um, kind of like a surprise deal, just to monitor who's coming in and out. If the guard is there, your name will be on the list. If the gates open, come on in. 
and if it's shut, here's the combination. So I pull up, and there, there's sure enough guard check. There wasn't anybody there. The gate wasn't locked, so I just came on through. So I get to the headquarters, and I'm the only one that speaks English on the ranch. And um, I was there. There was Mike met me down there, my ex-uncle. He met me down there just to introduce me. Of course, he spoke fluent Spanish. And I get there, and um, I walk up to the bunkhouse, and there's Antonio, Tomas, and Zeferino. And Antonio is sitting there, and he gets up a little bit gingerly. And he kind of walks over there, and, you know, they make their introductions in Spanish. And he's, mucho gusto, you know. And I hear Mike ask Antonio, why are you moving like that? And, and I'm going to say it in English just so you can understand it. But he said, oh, Mikey, I had a bad wreck the other day. Mike said, well, what happened? He said, I was riding this colt, and he ran away with me. So he said, instead of trying to pull on it, I just whoop it, make it go faster. It's my idea, not your idea. He said, but then he had an idea that wasn't my idea, and he ran under this mesquite. And he pulls up his shirt, and this man has no hide from his belt to the nape of his neck, all along his spine, it literally looks like they had taken out the back strap. I mean, it, I mean, it, it wouldn't have been any more perfect. It looked like you took a razor blade and just peeled the skin right off of his spine. He said, man, it hurt. He said, man, I like the next morning, man. It took me like 10 minutes to get out of bed at 3.30. I was like, I'd still be in bed on my stomach. So anyway, and so I'm talking to Mike because the ranch owner's not there. He used to work there and, and all this. And Mike's fixing to leave, and I don't speak Spanish that good. And I was like, Mike, what, what am I going to be doing here? And he said, your job is to go over to the bunkhouse at 4.30 every morning. You'll eat with Antonio, Tomas, and Zeferino, and then you will follow Antonio around and he'll show you what to do. And I said, that's my job. And he said, now you're going to be doing a lot of other things. He said, you're going to be fixing some fence, but not every day. You're going to be riding lots of colts nearly every day. You're going to be doing that. And I mean, he listed a bunch of stuff. He said, but don't worry about what you do. You just go over. You get with Antonio. You follow him around. You shadow him because he's one of the best horsemen you will ever be around. Antonio was actually Tommy Lee Jones' polo horse trainer because the ranch owner and Tommy Lee Jones were on the same polo team. So I used to ride Tommy Lee Jones' polo horses gathering cattle. I said, we're riding $30,000 thoroughbreds to gather cattle? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, why? And they said, when they, when they get used to that mesquite, that little mallet ain't nothing. So I was like, okay, well, it works. What if we break a leg? Ah, no big deal. So anyway, so I get over to the bunkhouse the next morning. I've probably never been more scared to death in my life. Then walking over here, this is my first ranch job, real ranch job, away from the Rocker B, away from my dad. I'm standing on my own, and I'm walking into a bunkhouse with three guys that don't even speak my language. And so I walk in there, and, and, and I sit down, and uh, Tom, Tomas is cooking, Antonio's sitting there, and uh, he pushes a bowl of avocados towards me and some handmade tortillas. And I was like, gracias. And, I mean, he can see that I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. He's like, mira. So he takes an avocado, and he cuts it in half, and then he takes it, and he squeezes it on the tortilla, the avocado, and then he mashes it down with a fork and puts some salt on it, and he rolls it up, and he eats it. Mmm. <laughs> so that's what I did. 
every single morning for, I don't know, months and months and months and months uh, of this is every morning I would go over there. And I really, it, it kind of shocked me because I, it just went over my head when I said, what is my job? And Mike said, you will do everything just right if you go over to the bunkhouse at 4.30 and you follow Antonio and he will show you what to do. There is a biblical basis for that in, Mar in Matthew chapter 4. And we've been talking about the ranch rule. Now when I say the ranch rule, I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in part one, we talked about the reign or the rule of God in that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And when we sign up and we say we believe in him, we say that we belong to his ranch, to his kingdom, and we're going to do things the way he says. But more importantly, he's going to shower us with his love because he wants, we were made to be ruled. He wants to rule us. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, ain't nobody going to rule me. Well, yeah, they are. Something's going to rule you. If it's not God, it's going to be addictions of some sort. I mean, and it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it can be, it, it can be brownies. I don't know. Kind of lost my train of thought because I was thinking of a lot of, I, I like Lucky Charms. That's what I was actually thinking about. I was like, do I say that or not, you know? But anyway, it, it can be a lot of different things, but God wants to rule our lives. But, but there's a lot of paradoxes in the Bible because God says, you know, if you want to truly live, you must die to self. It sounds like he's saying things that are, are opposites. He said, if you, want, if you want to live forever, you must be born again. You know, and, and those who more, if you want to be loved, you must give love unconditionally. And, and God's, the, the, the funny thing about letting God rule our lives in the kingdom of God is that when you do fully submit yourself to His rule and His reign, what you find is ultimate freedom. And a lot of people never get to that ultimate freedom because they can't get past in their mind that God is going to rule their life. But God wants to rule your life. So two weeks ago, we talked about the rule of God in your life. Last week, we talked about um, the requirements to get on the ranch. There's only one requirement... And that's in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But that belief has some characteristics. And we talked about how Jesus said, unless you become as humble as a little child, you'll never get in there. Unless the only, just because you say, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean you're going to get into heaven. Only those that do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And Jesus said... Unless your righteousness surpasses even that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you'll never get in. Well, the only person, they were really righteous. I mean, they, they did things for the wrong reasons, but they did things. They kept the law perfectly, or as, as perfect as people could. But what he said is, unless you're better than them, and the only way we could be better than them is by having Jesus in our life. So it doesn't mean that we have to be better than him. We have to be associated with the one that's better than him. And today, we're, we're, we're going to end this ranch rule, and what we're going to be talking about is, what's your job? Because as, I'll be honest, I don't like to be called a pastor, I don't like to be called a preacher, I'm just Kevin. But in this position that God has me in right now, whatever title you want to put on it, uh, you can call me irrigation manager for all I care, because um, I do take the water, living water. Uh, but I'm not a charro, I'm more like a burro. <laughs> And uh, that wasn't in the notes. That was off the t 
Today we're you know, in this position I'm in. I hear the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. You've probably thought that. And, and, and people just say, man, I just don't know what God wants me to do. But unfortunately, let me show you. I'm going to try to make a, a quick illustration of what, uh, what happens to a lot of people when they try to figure out what God wants them to do. So, you know, I'm standing here and I'm like, you know, hey, hey, Jack Bob, this is, this is Jesus. Jesus, this is Jack Bob. And they come up, oh, Jack Bob comes up and he says, howdy, Jesus, how are you? I'm here to ride for you. I'm going to go do something for Jesus. Can't get the door open. And it's crazy because they just run off and leave Jesus. He's still standing there and they're nowhere to be seen because they're out doing what Jesus wants them to do. Because that's what we do as cowboys. We just run off and find something for Jesus to do. But you've never seen that during a sermon. <laughs> but I'm serious. That's what a lot of people do is they come to know Jesus, they get introduced, and then they just Run off and go try to do something for Jesus. If you want the answer to that question, i got to start working out. I'm all out of breath. Good grief. I'm going to answer that question. What each and every one of you's job for the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, is going to be. I need a Gatorade. Not really. Because it's the same job as I had on the San Pedro. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, well, let's jump ahead. You don't have to turn there. But in Matthew 28... Before Jesus, after he's been risen from the dead, rose from the dead, has rising, I, I don't know what the right English word is, it, risen. Thank you, Dr. Revis. <laughs> and um, so he's risen, and he's fixing to go back to heaven, okay? And he says, go out into the world and make disciples of all men and all nations, okay? But how did he do that? Because it's actually quite simple. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, if you've ever asked yourself, what does God want me to do? The answer is in black and white right there. Just like Mike gave me my job on the, on the San Pedro, he said, your job is to go over there, get with Antonio, follow him around, and he'll show you what to do. Jesus says that exact thing in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus calls out to his first disciples. He says, come, follow me, and I'll show you how. Now, he finishes that to say, to fish for men. But the whole point is that those three things is all you ever have to concentrate on. If you want to do what God is telling you to do, that's it. Right there. That is your job on the ranch. Now, you're going to do other things in addition to that. But your responsibility, your focus should be right there. Come, follow me, and I will show you. Because a lot of people don't come to Jesus and follow him. They come to him and say, Man, I, I've heard that Christians are supposed to do this. They're supposed to love people and feed people and, and run around like a chicken with no head on. And, and they just run off from Jesus. And Jesus is sitting there like, huh, well, love you too. We're not supposed to go figure out what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to go to Jesus, come to him. You can't follow him unless you go over to his bunkhouse. Go over to the bunkhouse, sit down, have breakfast with him, 
follow him and he will show you what to do. I think that, you know, people waste a lot of their lives running around with no direction. I, I mean, you know, if you come help us on the Long X Ranch, which is the ranch of Save the Cowboys, if you come out and, and help us, unless you get direction from me or Ty or one of the cowboys, one of the seven cowboys that we have, and you just go to like putting in gates wherever you want to, and, and, and you don't know what we're feeding the cattle, you don't know what we're feeding the horses, you don't know why we have them in that pasture, you go to moving cattle. Look, you're not helping. You're just going to screw stuff up. And I think that there are a lot of Christians out there that come and they meet Jesus, and then they run off and they just start doing stuff. And, and honestly, you're real busy. But what you're real busy doing is screwing stuff up. Quit worrying about trying to figure out what God wants you to do because what He wants you to do is, Jesus says, come, follow me, and I'll show you. Now, in, in Matthew chapter 25, you don't have to turn, uh, you can turn there if you want to. But you know, Jesus Himself says this in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He says it again right there. Don't worry about all that other stuff. You just seek the kingdom of God. Now, who's ruler of kingdom of God? All authority on heaven and earth has been given unto Jesus. It's the reason He was killed. is because He said, you'll never get to heaven except through me. Your belief in me. If you believe in the Father, believe in the Son. That's why he was killed, not because he was walking around being nice and healing people, not because he was telling people to love their enemies. Rome was all about that. They loved that. They killed him. The Pharisees and the religious institution killed him because he said that he was the way, he was the truth, and he was the life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, the kingdom of God is Christ, is Jesus. His righteousness, God's righteousness is Jesus. He came and lived the perfect life. The law was all about righteousness, and there was only one person that could fulfill the law, and that was God himself in human form. And in another part, Paul says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. So when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, go out to his ranch, and I'm the ranch manager. I'm the boss of this outfit, and seek his righteousness. Come to me. Because I am God's righteousness. And you are going to be made right with God through me because of your relationship with me. In Christ, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are all of these things? Let me tell you. I used to think... Now, if you read that in context, and I'm not trying to change the context of it, I'm trying to add to it. You know, I used to think that all these things will be added unto you. I was thinking about, you know, food and clothes. And, and that, that, that is right. He said... You know, God feeds the, the birds in the air and He clothes the flowers in the field. How much more does He love us? All of that is true. But all of these things will be added unto you. You know what we need? We just need Christ. That's it. That's it. And He says in Matthew chapter 4, Come, follow me, and I will show you. Now, here's the application. I want you, starting right now, whether you're listening at one of the line camps in Delta or Wyoming, or whether you're sitting here, whether you're listening on the radio, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, I want you to do this today. You quit worrying about what you think God wants you to do, 
and you just start focusing on following him today. That's it. Just follow him today. Be who he tells you to be today. Because I promise you, if you think about it, go to Walmart and you get to practice Christianity all day long. Go drive down I-25 and you can have all the Christian practice you need of forgiveness, of watching your tongue, of loving your neighbor, loving your enemy. I mean, there is tons of practice out there available. You just focus on what God tells you to do today. You be who he tells you to be today. Why? Because of this right here. Because today's preparation will determine tomorrow's opportunity. Let's say that one more time. Today's preparation will determine tomorrow's opportunities. Why? Because in Matthew 25. Oh, and I, I said that was Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the kingdom of God deal, not Matthew 25. Um, but in Matthew 25, if you can be trusted with little things, more will be given unto you. If you can be trusted with the little things, more will be given unto you. That's why I say today's preparation will determine tomorrow's opportunities. You just focus on being who God wants you to be today. And how you do that is you come to Him, you follow Him, and He's going to show you. Now, cowboys, cowgirls, others, let me tell you this. If God does not have you do anything today, enjoy it, okay? Enjoy it. Whenever I got one morning, unbeknownst to me, one morning I get up and I walk across the little yard. I sit down, Antonio slides the avocados and the homemade tortillas. I mash one on there, mash it down with a fork, put a little salt on it, roll it up. As good as it gets, people. As good as it gets. And if I would have known what would transpire about two and a half hours later, I'd have quit. Because I get out there, and a lot of you have heard this, but some of you, most of you haven't. I get on this, this cult named Atrevido, which kind of loosely translated means scared of nothing. And so he's a little bay colt, real nice looking, and we've got the Makati on. You know, we got the Hackamore with the Makati, like the, like the uh, ranch, you know, like tie rides with and stuff. It's just one single rein with a long rein tied to the saddle. And, and Antonio has the Makati. And so I get on Atrevido, and it's like his third ride, and this little colt can buck. And so he's basically snubbing, and we... He, this horse tries to buck with his head right up next to Antonio's saddle all the way out into the pasture. I'm just hanging on for the ride. He can't really do anything, can't get his head down. So he's just kicking and squirming, and I'm trying to act like I'm not nervous, you know. And so anyway, we get out there, and Atrevido, he's kind of settled down a little bit. And Antonio says, okay, today we're going to teach this horse how to whoa. So, all right, what do I do? You don't do nothing, you just sit there. He said, no, no, I'll tell you what. When I tell you, you kick him. I said, all right. So anyway, he lets out some rain, and he goes, okay, let's go kick him, kick him. And so I go to kicking him, and we go flying down this fence line. And I mean, we are moving, people. And Antonio Daly's on the end of that Makati, and he goes, whoa. And he sets that big sorrel up, and we go right past him, and we hit the end of that Makati. Whoa. And I mean, how that horse kept from falling down to this day, I will never know. I mean, I was like, I was so scared. And he was like, oh, that was good. Let's do it again. <laughs> no, let's not do it again. So anyway, he's like, kick him, kick him. Well, by now, I figured I was going to die, so might as well just die going down. And so anyway, I kick him, and we go running down there. 
And Antonio dallies and he goes, whoa, and he sets that big sorrel up. We go flying past. Whew. Hit the end, <laughs> nearly die again. I'm like, Antonio. The funny part is this is the easy part. It's fixing to get a lot worse. I thought this is as bad as it was going to get. So anyway, he, we do this three or four times. And he goes, man, you're doing good. You're doing good, Kevin. So anyway, he's like, kick him. So we go kicking him down that road. And I mean, we are moving, we are moving. And he goes, whoa. And that horse, my horse goes, Arr! you ever rode a horse right between their ears? <laughs> I have. I'm pretty salty at it. If you'd like a lesson, I can show you how to do it. <laughs> it's pretty embarrassing when the best cowboy you've ever worked with has to grab you by the belt loop and set you back on your colt. I didn't lose a stirrup, though, <laughs> mainly because I think my toes were like this. So he's like, man, that's real good, Kevin, real good. And he's, he's coiling up that Makati. That's real good, Kevin. And he ties it to my horse, and he said, okay, now we're going to teach him how to turn. I said, okay, what do I do? He said, you go ride him over there. And over here where the horse barn is is about 10 acres of prickly pear cactus about this big. I said, uh, yeah? He said, see. I said, no. He said, see, I told you it was getting worse. There are, and, and you could see them, there's little trails all through this cactus. He said, now what you do is when you get to the cactus and you know he's got to go this way, you, you just kind of put a little, you know, you give him a little this leg and you pull him over just a little bit this way. He said, he's got to go that way, so you're teaching him. I didn't hear any of that because I had one question. I said, and he called on me, yes. <laughs> what do I do if he starts bucking? He goes, do not fall off. I was like, Antonio, no wango. Oh, see, it's my wango. I do it all the time. I was like, have you seen your back? You're not that smart. You're a great cowboy, but you got no sense. I think those two things go hand in hand, right, Ty? <laughs> we, were, we were coming to church this morning, and there was a guy in a truck. And his wife was opening the gate. My wife doesn't have to say anything. She looks over at that and goes, mm-hmm. That's why y'all marry us, so that we can get the gate. I said, that may be true. What does that say about you? She goes, we have bought into the lie. <laughs> I don't know what that had to do with anything. I just thought it was funny. And, and what you going to do with a cowboy, right? When he doesn't saddle up right away? There's a warning, girls. So I get out there. And I do exactly what Antonio tells me. My hiney grew teeth, and Antonio told me, he said, if the horse starts bucking, just pull him into one of the cactuses. So we went along there pretty good, and I was starting to see the, this was, this was all right. And then Atrevido, he had had enough. There he goes. And I mean, just out of sheer fright, I was trying to do my Indian war call, but it sounded like, ah! I, I, I didn't have it down real good then. And so I just snatched him to the left or to the right, I don't even remember now. And he landed right in one of those cactuses. He stopped cacti. He stopped bucking right away and went. Ah, and he was really good the rest of the time. So anyway, and I, and, and I started riding colts in there all the time. You want to learn to be a bronc rider? Do it that way. My point is this. You remember whenever I said just a while ago, I said, if God doesn't tell you to do anything today, Relax and enjoy that, because here's the thing. When that big thing comes, when that revelation from God comes, it's not going to be your idea. You're not going to be able to figure out what God wants you to do. 
He's going, based on your preparation day by day by day, He's going to reveal something to you, and I guarantee you it's going to be just like I felt both of those times. It's like, uh uh-uh. I mean, I told God, God, if you'll have a sorry cowboy like me, I'll do what you want me to do, I'll be who you want me to be, I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll say what you want me to say. Amen. I never planned on being a preacher, so when he said, well, guess what, you're going to be a preacher. I am not. And I've never met anybody that is truly doing what God asked them to do, that that was their idea. When God reveals what he wants you to do, you are going to be absolutely scared to death. But number one, he's not even going to reveal it to you until you can get good at today. Because after Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, the very next verse says this, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. You want a better illustration? After service, or catch him at Patty Ann's, or catch him out in the pasture. Talk to Ty about what he does. Hey, Ty, I want you to get up there and tell people about God. Uh-uh. Ain't happening. Yet he does it every single week. When God reveals that to you, it's going to be the scary. It's not going to be what you choose. So if it's not going to be what you choose, quit trying to figure it out and just relax and just be who he told you to be today. Do what he tells you to do today. Quit worrying about that big ministry that you've been thinking about and all of that. You just relax. You focus on him. And when he's ready, he will open up a gate. And that gate will probably lead to about 10 acres of prickly pear cactus about this big. And he's going to say, ride through it. What is your job? Your job is to come to Jesus, follow him, and he will show you day by day what he wants you to do. And you relax, you rejoice in that. Because I promise you, everybody says, Oh, I I just wish I knew what God wanted me to do. No, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't. Now, I pray that you get to that point where He will reveal it to you. But I'm telling you right now, it will scare the living pants off of you. And if He does that, it's going to scare us too, because we don't want to see that. Focus on who God's telling you to be today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus Himself said, Tomorrow has enough problems on its own. You've got enough to keep you busy all day long. You just do that. He may have you do a myriad of things, but when that one big thing comes, I, two things are guaranteed. It's not going to be your idea, and it's going to scare the tar out of you. Rejoice, relax, focus on who Jesus wants you to be today, because today's preparations will determine tomorrow's opportunity because Jesus said if you can be trusted in the little things then more will be given unto focus on who God wants you to be today because merely the passage of time is not going to make you a better Christian merely the passage of time isn't going to make you grow closer to God it's an intentional following of Jesus that will take you to where you want to be have you felt like you're in neutral Constantly worried about what, what's over the next hill? Don't worry about it. Enjoy the ride right now. And you will see and start to experience the peace, the joy, the prosperity, the contentment, and the healing that you never, 
new exists. When you go and you start riding on God's ranch, the kingdom of God, and working and riding and believing and loving in His Son, and riding with humility and doing what He tells you to do, and leaning on Him and what He can do, not in what we can do. And when we can start focusing on Him and just come to Him, follow Him, and He will show us what to do every day. And I promise you, Jesus is bigger than your lack of knowledge, than your lack of understanding, or anything else that you lack. Jesus is bigger than that. I challenge each and every one of you today to walk out of these doors, or when you get up from your chair, or when you switch your computer off, or when you change the channel on the radio, saddle up, follow him, don't get ahead of him, don't get behind him. Ride with him, and your life will be so dramatically changed that people will run up to you and say, what do you have that I don't? And you'll be able to smile and say, let me tell you, that's my prayer for you today.